0: Welcome back to Ope, here's a little marketing for you. I'm Ellen Cernko. I'm Ellie Hicks.
1: I'm John Young.
0: Each week, we talk about how to get the most out of your marketing as a small business or nonprofit organization. And today, we're going to continue our conversation from our last podcast episode of Do I Really Need That On My Website? So in the first episode, we talked about a few different components of your site, like about us, our team, history, services, et cetera. And if you really need that on your website, we have a few other things that we'd like to cover today and chit chat through more. Is there anything else you guys would like to share before we dive in?
1: Yes. I want to say how lovely both of your hairs are today. You guys dolled up for our non-visual podcast and I appreciate it doing great.
2: Thank you so much for noticing the six inches Thank I you. cut off my hair.
1: I think it looks I lovely. Like my wife agrees. So get off of yes. the. I hate this. Quit, quit fishing for compliments by saying <laughs> that you hate it and you want everyone to overly like it. We like it. Overly you made like a good it. move. It's awesome. So pause. Done. Move on.
2: Okay. There was some hate in that, but I'll take it, and I appreciate that it. That was such a dad compliment.
1: <laughs> it was. It was hate at the hate. Okay. Which, which, which is like a, it's like a negative. So Okay. Like,
2: yeah. Okay.
0: I'll take it. And I'll move on. and I'll I'm be a dad,
1: happy. Ellen. What, what, what do you mean to not be like a dad?
0: No, it's just, sometimes, it's just so typical. It's like, I'm going to give this girl a compliment, but I'm also going to knock her down a few pegs while I But I'm going to
2: do, do it in a dad way. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. Positive.
2: It's
0: great. We love I it. appreciate it. So, we're here to talk about websites.
1: Mm, okay. <laughs>
0: My brain has to refocus. Um, I have just really started to lean into the whole like I'm pregnant and so like my brain doesn't work anymore because I'm really tired of like trying to push through it and act like it's not a thing. So I don't I'm think just... we've
1: announced podcast to our podcast uh, audience that you're pregnant yet.
0: I'm pregnant. Are you sure? I don't think so. I'm 100% like we... sure. Oh, <laughs> no, you're we asking if we announced it, not if I'm pregnant. Oh, my gosh.
2: <laughs> Are you sure you're pregnant, Ellen?
1: It would be Did funny if she was just trolling us.
0: Okay, yeah. did I tell you though like I had this internalized fear that like I was making up this entire thing and I was a fraud. And I was like what if like my body's just tricking me and I'm not actually pregnant? And I said this to Tim and he was like are you kidding me? Um yeah, and then we got of the sonogram your crazy picture. Employee,
1: that would be it. Yeah.
0: yeah. I literally was gaslighting myself into being like <laughs> you're being like so dramatic, you feel fine, like get off your butt, you're not pregnant but I am in fact pregnant because we heard the baby's heartbeat yesterday.
1: I didn't realize you could gaslight yourself.
0: I can and I do often and I have since I I was about 12. (laughs) (laughs) It's really great. (laughs) I am toxic. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, um, the great thing about the baby's heartbeat is that she put the the little fetal heart monitor thing on or whatever, and it was immediately there, and it was very strong, and she was very happy about it. So, Yay. I am pregnant.
2: Yay, little baby. For sure. Little baby CERNCO. It's the size of
0: a peach. Little peach. Little baby peach CERNCO. So on that, I don't know if he'll want to build websites one day. Probably not. Websites probably won't exist by, by the time he... It's an adult. will be something else. We'll all be living not. in the metaverse. Oh. Um, no. John says no.
1: No on the metaverse.
0: One of my friend's dads was in the layoffs, like the big – and he has been with Facebook since like they started. Mm. Isn't that a bummer? That mm-hmm. is a bummer. Facebook and Twitter, man, they're a mess. I feel like we should do an episode on that before like 2023 starts of like – if it's worth being on Facebook and Twitter as a business going into 2023, and if you are going to be on it, what it looks like. So
1: well, we're we're going to have that discussion for one of our clients next week. So just prepare those thoughts for that. Then.
0: Oh, I know which. One. Okay, I was like, wait, which one? Um. Okay. Cool. Um. So on they that note, sh-
1: they make shmice cream.
0: <laughs> ice cream sounds so good. okay. Right
2: now. <laughs> I was very lost. I'm just dreaming I was like- about ice cream now. <laughs> I was like, "Are we, are we firing like a one of my clients, or what's Dude. happening?"
1: <laughs> this is this is one of the clients that we're not allowed to get fire or get fired from. So yeah,
0: okay, sounds good. Um, so on that, we are going to dive into a few different components of a website, and we're going to ask the studio audience, aka S three, um, that are hosting this podcast, on if we think you should have it on your website, especially as we're moving into the new year. So let's start with a frequently asked questions or FAQ page. What are our thoughts? Do you, we think that you need that on your website?
1: I'm pro frequently asked questions.
0: I also am pro frequently
2: asked questions. I feel like I utilize that page a lot when I can find it on a website. Um, but the the caveat here, did I say that right? Was that like another Ooh. instance where no, I mispronounced well a word? Um, is you have to have the right questions, if if that makes sense. Like you have to. It's only going to be relevant or be helpful if they're questions that people actually want to know, or if they are actually frequently asked questions. So, like, if you don't have questions that you are like tired of answering in emails or whatever it might be, don't just throw random things up there in question format. Um, you don't need to have the page, but if there are things that you're frequently getting asked or are just like a common question in your industry, 100%, I think it's very
0: helpful to have it up there. Agreed. Agreed. Here's a thought with FAQs though, before you throw it up on the FAQ, I would ask yourself if there's another place on your website where you could be clarifying the information better. Now it may still be worth putting up the FAQ, um but if you're getting a question about like say like how to order a product online um and you keep getting this question over and over and over again it may be worth like having a few team members go through the process of ordering something through your website and see if they can get to that same confusing question that you're getting and see if there's a way to just clear up the issue because sometimes when you're getting frequently asked a frequently asked question it's because there's a, a an issue in your process that you could easily fix and then you're not going to get that question in anymore. Um, mm-hmm. but it still may be worth putting it up there for a while. Um, so until people are used to the new process.
1: It's like we tell our clients to, when they're looking at their analytics to see what people use the search function for, to see what they're mm-hmm. searching for. And if it's one thing is being searched more than other things by a lot, like, well, okay, we need to make that part of the navigation or part of the homepage because people are trying to find this page and can't. So they're using the search field, but, mm-hmm. um, and frequently asked questions, it, it it makes sense to have those uh, if you can as individual posts or pages because they will rank. Because uh, if these are questions that are being often asked in your industry, they're probably being asked to Google or to Yahoo or to Bing or to Jeeves or the Ducks or whoever they're asking. So it makes sense to have that content not just as like a title and a paragraph on a page. Like you can do that, but then also a link to a post where you glom on and on and about it so you can, um, Mm -hmm. you know, get some search traffic for those questions.
0: Yeah. Ideally each FAQ should have some sort of call to action, whether it's to go to a page to learn more about the topic or if it's to like contact your, your sales team or something like that. (coughs) Sorry, I'm coughing. FAQs are a great place to continue, um, the sales funnel if you can. Um, so take advantage of that. And then it's also a great place to create, um, really strong inbound links within your site or is that right? Yeah. Um, so quit second guessing
1: yourself, guys. You're smart. (laughs) You got this.
0: Listen, ever since my
2: minuscule issue, I just haven't, I'll never be the same.
0: Never be the same. Um, And yeah, same with Ellie, with what Ellie said, like, don't just come up with random like FAQs that like you think, I think that's like the biggest area that basically, and I feel like I talk about this a lot, but I've talked to a lot of clients over the years that they just think that they know what their customers want or what their customers are asking because they've been doing it for so long, which like, to some degree, yes, that is true. Like if you've been in your business for 10, 20, 30 years or that industry, like I do think you know your customer, but I think that you're missing out on opportunities if you don't take a minute to ask your other employees, hey, what are customers asking you or reaching out to customers and saying like, hey, what questions do you have? Um, so don't don't doubt your own industry knowledge and expertise, but recognize that like you don't know everything. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it should be a document that evolves over time. Like when you're building the site the first time, here are all the questions. And then it's something we look at every six months or so and either add some or remove some or add content to one that's there that things have changed a bit. It shouldn't be just something that doesn't get looked at. It's a boring page to look at every once in a while, but questions about your business change too.
0: Yeah, especially if you're talking about products or like programs that you sell, like prices could change or like what's included in a program could change and you wouldn't want to be putting out false information about that either.
2: Mm -hmm. Any other thoughts on FAQs? No, Mm -mm. I think that's good. I think that's uh, just another one of those um, sections, uh, pages on your website, though, that really just depends on if you have a need for it or not, don't feel like <clears> that's something you have to put there. Um, because again, if you're just putting it there because you think it's a page that you have to have, then none of it's really going to make sense if you don't really have a clear direction for
0: it. So it's true. And if you don't know where to start, like ask the person in your office that answers the phone. <laughs> like they Smart. know the questions yeah. that you are getting. Um, or the person that like runs messages or comments on your social media. Like or they the sales know the questions team. that you're getting. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. the salesperson. Salespeople. Smart. All right. So I'm gonna combine the next two. Um, do we think that there should be social media links and or social media feeds on a website? Discuss. <laughs> this might be what grinds John's gears. <laughs> I,
1: it, it's gonna be.
0: they to me, they're not The same. So, links – I think links to
2: your social channels are good if you have a strong presence on those social channels. Um, So, again, like don't – I wouldn't link to your Instagram page if you have posts – if you haven't posted since – like 2019, um, if you aren't consistently updating it or you don't have, you're not updating it with, you know, relevant information, then I wouldn't link to it. I think it's going to hurt you more than it's going to help you. Um, but if your social channels are very much an extension of your company and your sales process or whatever it might be, and you are, you know, posting really strong updates and current knowledge to, um, to your social channels, then 100%, I think it's a good idea to have those links on your website.
1: Agreed. Uh, um, yeah, I think it's important to have them there just because, you know, like like you said, Ellie, if, they're, if you're being posted, because it's, it's just a kind of an extension of the conversation of what your brand is about, especially if they're kind of feeling you out to say, this is someone I want to interact with. Often, I'll click them. if uh, I don't know the company, but I'll click them just to kind of get more of a flavor for what they do or to see if they're actually engaged with anything mm-hmm. more 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 what i'm clicking is just curious to see what other brands are doing because that's what we do uh, but when it comes to feeds no mm-hmm. no maybe an instagram feed maybe if it makes sense because the visuals of your company but the rest of them no. because what we tell clients or at least what i tell clients you guys might tell them different things so if you put a facebook feed on your on your homepage, for example which used to be kind of cool because for a while you couldn't do that, and then, then you could, and then everyone did. Uh, but what happens if you put a Facebook feed on there is that uh, they go to Facebook and then they never come back to your website. They spend the next hour looking at what their aunt's political leanings are for the day. So like uh, it's it's the idea of social media to me is to draw traffic from those places to your website. So why would you why would you pay, place emphasis on hey don't spend time on our website go go over here instead just Mm -hmm. doesn't make sense. I I think it might make sense in very, um, minute, uh, case study or case cases. Um, but for the most part, no.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think, and like you said, John, very rare instances, uh, an Instagram feed, maybe just again, if, if you are, a company that the visuals or imagery that you have is very important to your product or your business. I think that that would be maybe like the one scenario where it could help you. Um, but even then you have to, I guess, be aware or be okay with the fact that, yeah, they're going to immediately, especially if you have it on your homepage, click off of your website and go to your social media pages. Um, and I think that, I think social media and your website, they they work together, but they're two kind of separate conversations or separate ways of, I guess, connecting with your audience. So having the links on your website is an easy way if, they, if somebody wants to interact with your social media without having it right in their face and distracting them and pushing them off of your website. Um, because I know like from personal experience, sometimes if I – If I'm looking up, I don't know, maybe like a restaurant or a store or something like that and I'm on their website, but I want to know something very current like, oh, are they closed today because the weather's bad? Are they closed today because it's a holiday? Now, like the holiday stuff, that should probably be on their website, but Mm -hmm. social media, you're going to get a lot more, I guess, current, like real-time information. So if you want those types of updates, that would be when you would say, okay, let me jump over to their Facebook page and see if they've posted anything about um, if they're staying open late tonight or if they're closing or whatever it might be. Um, But again, that's kind of up to the user and how they want to interact. And I
0: definitely wouldn't distract with uh, having like the whole feed right there on your homepage. Mm -hmm. But even in that instance, Ellie, like there are plenty of plugins that we've even used for clients that Will allow you to give those kind of like quick updates to like, hey, Mm -hmm. we had to close early for a snowstorm, or like, um, you know, like we're running this like certain special today or whatever. Um, like if you have a really strong relationship with your website provider, they should be able to offer solutions to you so that you can be updating your customers in real time. Mm -hmm. Um, so people don't have to just rely on your social media. My thing with social media is that I love it and I hate it at the same time as a digital marketer. Um. I think it can be extremely useful to connect with your audience, but I think that people forget that the people that own and run these social media channels don't owe you anything. Um, you don't own your communications, you don't own the people, um, like the the amount of people that follow you or anything like that. Like if they decide to shut down a program tomorrow, like you're out of luck um but your website is something that you have complete control over where you can control the conversation at all times so i would always make sure that like anything that you're doing on social media um whether it's like communication like updates or stuff like that and especially pictures i would also be saving them somewhere else um mm-hmm. even if it's like just like a google drive folder or something that's not customer facing because like especially if you are um like a restaurant or like a, like a beauty bar or something, it would be such a bummer to lose all those pictures just because like Zuckerberg decided to shut down Instagram. Oh, sucks. <laughs> so like, <laughs> just keep that in mind. And then I would also remember like, if you do have like a highly visual um, company, like, yeah, you could you could have an Instagram feed, but what you could also do is you could take those pictures. You could write three to four paragraphs about what the picture entails, and then you could post that as a blog post and just you know expand your own website's reach instead of just having an Instagram feed that if Instagram makes an update, the feed may break down. Um, so I'd keep that in mind. Yeah, I'm going to revise my answer
2: after you just said that and I'm going (laughs) to say like an absolute hard no on the social media feed.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think they just end up kind of making a – like what John said, like they were a fad a few years ago, but like kind of like how – do you guys remember that fad where everybody had something fun going on with their cursor and then everybody realized that it was really annoying and like not a good user experience and like not really accessible either? Um, It's kind of the same thing. Like it was cool and now it's just like what's the point? It's um, just it,
2: it's cluttery. Like I feel yeah. like it just kind of clutters up your website.
1: At one point, I had um, in the winter I'd have our website have snow, like just kind of just coming down. <laughs> oh my thing.
0: gosh! Can you do that this year? That's kind of like a fun. I think that that would be fun to do out of the blue this year. I like all these years to think later. How to do that. I yeah, would love I, that.
1: There was also a trend where I have a YouTube video on it. I have to find it. It was like some sort of like techno beat. And you can make all the elements on your homepage like dance to this beat. Hmm. I'm not trying to find be a cool. YouTube video on that.
0: Or if you could even, um, like they did this at my mom's church a few years ago where they just had like the logo look like it was being snowed on. Like you could just have it snow on like Young's Jersey Dairy and then it could just oh, like that's cute. Like, it'd be like a little gif or something. That'd be that's cool. cute. That's cute. That's John's face if he's not going to do it. Yeah.
1: No, it's not. Yeah. If you bring that up on Tuesday, it's going to get a hard no.
0: I already listed all of my thoughts and feelings. I'm stealing that one. That one's going on my list.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Then you're going to get a no. Let let Um, Ellen get all the no's.
0: My other thought with social media links is um, like what John and Ellie were saying. Definitely, I think it makes sense if you're active on the social media links. Um, I think where people put their social media links is really important on their website. A lot of people want them in the header and I am a really strong believer in not putting in them, putting them in the header because I think that there's enough going on in most people's headers already like in their immediate menu. Um, and you don't want to distract somebody kind of like what John was saying. Like you don't want to distract somebody if they see the Facebook logo and then they end up on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok and then like they're never coming back to your site after that. Um, so I think they should be one of those things where like if people want to see them, they have access to them. Um, so I think two good places to put your social media links are in your footer and then on your contact page. Um, and putting them in those two places are also going to help uh, Google business profile recognize which profiles are yours um, just a little bit faster maybe. And so they'll start to show up in your uh, your business profile card maybe a little bit sooner because you're associating them with your website. Um, there's a little fun little fun fact for you. So fun. Um, my I, other thing with social media links, they must open in a new tab. Yes. <laughs> like on desktop. If you click on a social media link and it takes you away from your website, you have lost the opportunity to have an engaged session with that user because they are truly never going to come back because they are now on facebook so don't do that to your business or to your customers
2: yeah i don't think that i've ever really thought too much about the placement of social media links because i'm not you know the one building our websites but i think that makes a lot of sense ellen about not having it in your header because again you're not the purpose of somebody being on your website is not to immediately direct them off of your website. Um, You're wanting to try to funnel people to your website. So if you have it in your header, um, they might not have even had in their mind that they wanted to look at your social media channels because they're there. They're on your website for another reason. But if you have it in your main menu and in your header, they're going to be curious and click it. And just like you just said, Ellen, you're not going to get that person back, especially if it opens in the same tab. Um, but now they're, they're off of your website and you've just lost that customer. You've lost a potential sale. Maybe, um, now they're on social media. So again, having the links on your, on your website, it's more of a supplemental. Like if somebody has in their mind that they want to go to your Facebook page, they know where to look. They can find it on your website, um, when they look for them, but it's not like a, oh, you should visit my Facebook page, um, and direct them off the site. Cause that's not, that's not the goal of being on your website.
0: Agreed. Same. I have more thoughts on like the menu and like the header in general, but that I have that sort of as like a later thing. But yeah, I think oh, it's, it's really important to streamline your users' experience when it comes to their header and menu. And I'm I'm so obnoxiously strict about what I let clients put in their menu, <laughs> um, but most we, of the time we haven't they're been like, able to tell. Yeah. Most of the time they're like, okay, yes, I get where you're coming from. And they agree with me. And ultimately like it is your website. So if you would like that in your menu, then like, I'm not going to just like not do it, but I am going to tell you all the reasons why you should streamline your menu several times. Yeah. I've been on
2: many, a conversation that involves Ellen and, and discussing what should be
0: in a header and menu. I like how John is acting like he's not also as crazy about limiting what's in a menu. <laughs> I got that from you.
1: Yeah, and I and I appreciate when I hear hear you guys um, parroting. Seems like the wrong word, but you know, saying saying similar things no, that ex- I do because ex- ex- you because you agree with them, not just because mm-hmm. the boss said so. But um, I don't lose sleep over it. <laughs> and Ellen,
0: the <laughs> I don't way I lose the way sleep over. the way
1: you approach it seems like it's like keeping you up at night. Like ah, oh, so and so mm-hmm. they. Needed to have nine things in the in the header instead of four, and that really irritates me. Like I just like you have to remember
0: what Ellie and I said, John. We get like frustrated about something in the minute, and then like literally five minutes later, we're over it, and like we're like chill about it anymore. But our
2: initial reaction is, in fact, an overreaction a lot of times. But it's true.
0: (laughs) But it never goes client side, so we're all good. It stays okay.
2: internal. Like we just have
0: to freak yeah. out for a minute and then we're like, all right, we're cool. We'll add that. To and then mini, we might whatever. bring the frustration back up like six months from now. But the likelihood that I didn't think about it at all in mm-hmm. those six months is very high.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Like it will resurface
2: in a what grinds my gears, but for now, we'll forget about it.
1: <laughs> and we, <laughs> won't, we won't mention who it grinds your gears about, but it'll be there.
0: <laughs> right. It's true.
1: Okay.
0: okay. So next thing on our list. The contact us page. What do we think? Do you need that on your site?
1: <coughs> uh Oh, Ellie's dying. I, just Ellie, I can't save wrong. you.
0: Oh no! Was, we
2: had this conversation. <laughs> I'm alone. No one can save me. Just low love. I was, I Lola. was closer
1: to you a couple hours ago. Not now. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah, you have to have a contact page. You have to have some way to have to have some way to contact you, whether yeah. there's a contact form on it or not. Has to be some way for them to get in touch with you, whether you're a mm-hmm. uh, multi-national global brand or you're a local mom and pop donut shop. Like there has to be uh, a phone number, an email address, social media links for sure. Uh, has to be something there.
2: Mm-hmm. Agreed. That's a very like hard. Yes. You have to provide ways that somebody can contact you.
0: I'd be curious to know, John, how important do you think it is to list a physical address for your business on your contact page?
1: Depends on whether you want people to. Sh- well, there's two There's two answers to that. Uh, do you have a brick and mortar store location where you want people to come to have a conversation with you? Like, we are not. I have an address, but it's a UPS store box, and we have sales weasels stop by. I don't know about this one because I don't talk to these guys as much, but the old box, uh, there would often be salespeople that would come by and try to sell me whatever <laughs> pens, paper, insurance, whatever. And they'd be like, Uh, is John here? And they're like, who John? So they'd get to the conversation like, oh, this is, he just has a mailbox here. But, but (laughs) Google wants you to list an address for us to be in Google, which if anyone from Google is listening, I have an illegal address on my website and on Google listings because you're not because we don't it's have it's not a
0: illegal. Religion. It's not recommended by Google.
1: No, it's illegal from Google's perspective. It's against their it's against their rules.
0: they yeah, I guess. Yeah,
1: it's not illegal like I'm going to get arrested, but it's not really. I get banned from Google, which might as well be arrested, but <laughs> true. Uh, which is stupid. But that's that's what my grinds my gears in another another episode, uh, but. It, it, we have to have an address on our site to match because we have a Google listing. But I don't want – I mean, I, if you want to stop by and talk to my people at the Hilliard UPS store, you can. They're, they're fine enough people. Uh, but uh, if you have a physical location, you want people to stop by, you have the address. Uh, we've got a client that's got one building but two addresses. One is the office location. The other is like the warehouse distribution address. So it's important to put for, for that for – putting in Google listing or Google you know, Google maps going to the right door into that. So I think um, I think that's where it makes the most sense to have a, a, an actual address there.
0: Yeah. I think if on I asked that question because like we, we have a lot of clients that ask us about uh, optimizing their website for search and just like their online reputation management and local search in general. And it's like, well, if you're not willing to put an address on your website, like, that is going to ding you with search engines. So, like, it's kind of just one of those, like, like the menu. Like, be aware we're going to tell you what best practice is. But, like, ultimately, if you don't want to list an address on your website, then we're going to do what you want to do. Um, but just keep that in mind. But, yeah, you should definitely have a contact us page. With a form that you check. Yes. If you, if you are not reviewing form – like, if you're going to have a form – on your website, you need to be reviewing the submissions um, and you need to res- be responding to them.
2: Yeah, um, definitely have a, a solid process in place for who's going to be receiving those and who's going to be responding because you you don't want to leave those. To- I would say, I mean, a good rule of thumb, I would say, would be to reply even if it's just to say that you received the message Mm -hmm. No more than, you know, within like 48 business hours, like two days. And that's even pushing it. Like just even a response to say
0: like, hey, we received this and we'll get back with you. Mm -hmm. Same with the email address. Um, When it comes to the email address that's listed on your contact us page, most of the time we recommend to our clients that like you don't list like somebody's specific email address like John at Design only because like, you can end up getting a lot of spam sent to that email address um, because bots will just grab it off your contact page. So if you can get a general email, like I think ours is info at shoutoutdesign.com. List that because there are going to be, I mean, depending on the industry, there are going to be people that would just like an email address to email you directly. But that way you're protecting your employees' inboxes from a lot of spam. We actually had a client that he like insisted on having his um, his actual email up Clark I'm calling you out and he got a ton of spam and then he called me and he was like you were right can we take my email address off the website and I was like yes absolutely we can
1: yeah too late but yeah we will
0: yeah yeah um so keep that in mind as well I think it most of the time it makes sense to have an email but try to have it be a generic one and make sure that somebody's checking that or it's being forwarded to somebody for show
1: Fo- any other thoughts show. on
0: contact us no cool um the next one next to i feel like we could also kind of talk about in tandem with mm-hmm. like we did with social media so a blog and blog comments on your website so obviously you have to have a blog if you're going to have blog comments but what do you guys mm-hmm. think do you need that on your website i think a blog
2: is a fun asset Um, do you need it? Absolutely not. If it's, if you're starting out, like if you're new or you're a small business and you are, you know, creating a new website, it's not, you know, a necessity to put on in the very beginning of this process, because it's just going to be one more thing that you need to update. Um, but again, like I said, I think it's a great asset. If you, if you have a good process in place for, uh, updating the blog, or if you have a lot of good content like a good vision for um the content that you're going to be adding to this blog um i think i think yeah it can do wonders for your website and your presence you can use those links on social media um they're just it's a way to generate more traffic to your website so those are my blog thoughts
1: those are great blog thoughts
0: (laughs) Thoughts i think i think
1: your blog would be your your first like extra thing on Mm -hmm. your website so like if you feel like your website's not uh, dynamic enough. I think the blog is the first thing to go, but to Ellie's point, like you have to be consistent about it. Like mm-hmm. you can't just do it for a little while and then say, well, I'll catch back up to it. Like, thank God we've been doing this podcast because otherwise none of us would have been doing blogs for probably <laughs> three years now. So like, there, there are large chunks of time. Like we have a lot of blog entries and I don't think our, I don't think the dates are listed on our blogs anymore. So you wouldn't even tell maybe they are, I don't know. I don't think Ellen's going to go look, but you know, we were just talking to a, um, a client the other day about their, you know, their old website that we're redoing. And you know, the, the most recent blog was like September, but the one before that was February. The one before that was like middle of the year previous to that. So like doing two blogs a year, is better than doing one blog a year. But I would rather, if you're going to have a blog, you're doing once a quarter at minimum, I think once a mm-hmm. month is even better. But mm-hmm. if you're going to do a blog, you have to say, well, here is here is going to be our process. Here's going to be our plan. Um, have a couple of blog entries ready to roll. So when you launch your blog, I don't just go to it and there's just one post there, like start with th- three and however long it takes you to get three. Say it's going to take me at least that long to get another three. So maybe that's how I need to phase them out. Like once a month, once every other month, once a quarter and just follow that process out. And if for some reason you completely fall off and it's been nine months or 10 months since you've done a blog, maybe you get rid of your blog page and those posts can still live there, just not linked to anywhere. And they're, they're, you know, if someone finds them, they're there, but you're not necessarily promoting that you have a blog, like take it out of your navigation. Cause I think we did that for a while, uh, previous to this, this iteration of the website. I was like, well, we're, I'm not posting anything and Rachel wasn't posting anything. Let's just take that link out because I don't want people going and seeing that we're not doing anything because we're busy doing other things.
0: The Art of Brainstorming is one podcast episode of ours that I'd recommend listening to if you're thinking about having a blog. And then we also did a podcast episode with Rachel that I'm trying to find the title of What Should I Blog About? Episode four. Um, So if you need ideas or you need help strategizing how that actually like putting together that plan, how that works, I'd recommend listening to those. Um, But agree wholeheartedly with everything that Ellie and Johnny website said. Um, what I would add is don't get hung up on the word blog. I think a lot of the times, especially people who have been using the internet for a while, get hung up on the word blog and they're thinking like 2006. Um, but it's really just like, it's a feed of posts that either answer questions or solve problems for your audience. Um, so for some people that might look like news updates from their organization. Like if you're an organization that, um, had like, I think, like, um, one of our clients, Developmental Disabilities of Clark County, um, like, she um, normally has things that she likes to update their audience on. She does that on Facebook and on their website. So, like, that's a great place to do that. Or... Um, What's another good blogging experience? Best Life Functional Medicine, another client of ours. Um, She regularly answers questions and solves problems for her clients on her blog. Um, And she uses it as a place to have meaningful conversation with the people that are following her blog as well. So going into the blog comments conversation. Blog comments were really big like 15, 20 years ago. Um, They regularly just get spammed by bots now. So – It's kind of like a 50-50 on like if you need them. I would say like for the majority of our clients, I would say no, you don't need them, especially if you have like a social media presence, like a Facebook where you're sharing these blog posts anyway because the communication can happen in the comments of that Facebook post instead. Um, And then you just make sure that you don't have any like bot comments showing up on those blog posts on your website. Um, There are a lot of different security measures that your developer can put in place to help Kind of decrease those, but there are some that like you just can't get around. Um, so keep that in mind as well. I had another thought, but it's gone. Pregnancy brain. Calling, calling <laughs> it.
1: Yeah, I would. Uh, we've got two. Well, now we only have one. One client that really has a lot of comments on posts, and that's um, the Cleveland Sports Blog. Waiting for next year, mm-hmm. um, but they interact with their the the writers and the authors and the website. Guys that run the run the site are constantly mm-hmm. interacting with people there. I think they 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 do have conversations offline on Twitter and Facebook, but well off website line. Um, but it doesn't for most people it doesn't make sense. The other ones, the uh, the Bennington Show on Sirius Satellite Radio, their comment thread were you know really heavily used. Like we went from um, just inherent WordPress comments to I think we used discuss d i s q u s for a while. Um, and then we used another one for a while, but it just got it just got to be too much. It also makes the site really heavy because uh, it's it's just having to load all these comments, especially if you have like a lot of moderation and a lot of people commenting. It just makes the site slower. Just having all those comments. That's why we I think that's why we went to discuss because discuss loaded the loaded the comments off of the website's load, so it was like running in tandem when things were loading. But yeah, you know, bots and then people just being stupid i think it's just it's over overall not worth having a liability of someone saying something really dumb on your website because it just reflects poorly on you when reality is just some dumb person posting something dumb
2: i agree with that i think that there really isn't much benefit to having the blog comments on um like again unless that's your primary area where you're going to be interacting with these people um but it just it kind of opens it up for there to be like negativity, or if if you aren't going to be watching it constantly, um, it could make people mad if you aren't replying to them soon enough. Um, so it just kind of adds an additional headache to you uh, for really no gain, I wouldn't think. Unless again, it's you're a business that you know relies heavily on that interaction. But most of the people we're working with, I, I would say, probably not necessary. Probably not a good idea. Um, there's no real need to have the comments turned
0: on.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh dang it! I remembered what I was going to say about blogs and oh yes, okay. Um, so here's the thing: with if like if blog if blogging is worth it on your website, um, and I feel like we've talked a little bit about this before, but increasingly, so I've heard clients or potential clients talk to us about how. They need SEO on their site. Um, And I guess just one thing I would keep in mind is that like optimizing your website for search is not something that you can just like pay a yearly subscription for or turn on. Like it's not like like renewing your domain or your SSL certificate or like making sure that like you have the most up-to-date version of WordPress running on your website optimizing your website for search is a is a long you're playing the long game um it's an so ongoing it's process. yes it's things that you're doing consistently over time to continually increase your authority with search engines um so blogging is a great way to do that because of what i said earlier that you're answering a question or you're solving a problem for your audience and when you're doing that Search engines are recognizing that you're doing that, and then they're more likely to show those blog entries over time and just your website over time. Um, But So if you're looking for a way to help optimize your website for search, consistent blogging with content that's actually adding to the conversation in 2022 is a great place to start. But if you are inconsistent or you don't have a clear plan or you're not answering questions or solving problems, or if you're not adding to the conversation, if you're just kind of regurgitating things that are already on the on the internet and other places, those things are not going to, to make headwinds in in your quest to optimize your website for search. So I would say like, remember what SEO stands for. Like it's not just, oh, we need SEO. It's you need to optimize your website for search engines. And I think when you continually think of it in that thought process, then it kind of changes the way that you are approaching your digital marketing and your website overall.
1: Well said. Yes.
2: Thank you. Yes, I agree. Um, Yeah, and you talked about it a little bit, Ellen, when we were talking about the FAQ page. Um, If you're wondering what to write about for your blog, take a look at what people are searching. Like, what do people want to know? What can Mm -hmm. you add to your website that's going to be helpful to your audience? Um, And that's how you're going to optimize for these search engines. So if people are searching, you know, I don't know, whatever they're searching. I can't even think of a good example right now. But they're searching something that you provide, like a product or service. They're searching about information about it. um, Write an article about it. And now you're giving them a whole page of information that they can read and interact with. And hopefully reach out to you or, you know, buy your product or whatever it might be. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's a good place to start learning what people are asking, what they're searching for, um, and give them what they're searching for.
0: And sometimes you're going to have filler content just to keep things consistent. Like, you know, it's the end of the year. A lot of the times you'll see on blogs that companies will be doing like kind of end of the year wrap-ups or looking forward to 2023, um, or they're just doing more like, quote, fluff pieces – and that's fine because it's still relevant to the company and you're staying consistent with your blog. And there are people out there that they they want to know what's going on. They want to know like the latest of how your guys' year went and what you're looking forward to in the next year. Um, Or, you know, like you might do, there's one client that we did a few like uh, long-term employee spotlights and we focused on like how thankful the company was for this employee's 30 years of service to their company, um, what they had learned during their time there and what they were looking forward to moving forward. So, you know, that doesn't necessarily like solve a problem or answer a question, but it does help round out the personality of your brand. Um, And we were still able to link to a service for that company within that blog post. So just creating another valuable link within that blog post. Um, so again, I would listen to those two podcasts that I talked about. The two podcast episodes, um, where what should I blog about and, um, how to brainstorm. Those are going to be really helpful in kind of coming up with all of your different ideas for your blog. And maybe that's a goal for you for 2023. It's December 1st. You have one month. Good luck. (laughs) You can do it. If you need help, call shadow out design. There's a plug. Okay. Last thing, we're going a little long, um, and then we're going to get into what grinds my gears. So let's talk about submenu items, and let's just include like menu and header overall. Obviously, like we think every website should have a menu, um, but let's talk about like what makes a good menu, what makes a good header, and then should a menu have submenu items? Discuss.
2: Do you want me to go first? Look, I feel like sure. I keep jumping in first, and then I'm no. Like, I took okay. the first
1: couple first, and you did you? you? Know, okay, I'm you, you want me to go first? I'll go first. I don't. I care. have thoughts on that.com.
2: You have thoughts on that. You go.
1: Yeah. So what we typically tell our clients is um, no more than five clickable main navigation items, um, including you know your six. Why six?
0: Six is what you said. <laughs> oh, okay. Five. Oh, see you're even more strict Listen, than i am with this five? i don't have six but one of those I, usually say, I usually
1: say three to five is what i what i what i, what I at least at least uh, what i typically have in my head uh, i don't think i've ever said six but I'd is trust
0: six me. the contact button
1: yeah five plus okay. five plus a button so yeah I guess okay that's, that's,
0: that's normally what i think of okay yeah.
1: yeah so anyway uh for like for a while young's had uh like seven or eight plus a contact button because dan Oof. kept adding things and so that's what why the current in, edition of the site has three uh, plus a contact button, I think. Um,
0: and Club Calvin, Calvin right now.
1: Oh yeah, I added Club Calvin just because that's a priority for us. So four plus the uh, shopping cart. Then there's and the also a. Um, bar. Yeah, there's the action bar where that's there's cool. a couple items up there. So I don't quite consider that the same as navigation because it's Mm-mm. different font, it's smaller, it's not as uh, prominent. So mm-hmm. anytime you start adding. Uh, more than five or six, you're really confusing the paths that people can take. Um, you know, the, the young side is is particularly busy, but we've got a lot of things going on. And uh, talking about submenu, I would say this is an instance where a submenu makes sense because I've got the navigation as, before, if you get rid of Club Calvin, because I just added that within the past couple of months, fun food events. You know, those of you who know Young's Dairy, you know that everything that we do fits in one of those three categories. So if you hover over one of those categories, there's a lot of sub-navigation items. It's not just like fun is like three things, like utters and butters and mini golf and batting cage. Like it's a whole like display of other options. And even when you're on mobile, it's slightly different, but it's the same principle as on desktop. Um, so I think there are, there are websites and brands that it makes sense to have a wealth of options because Young's is one of those uh, because there's so many different things going on. Even if you've been here before, you might not know all the things that are going on even if you've been here and know all the things that are going on, you might not necessarily know the path to get to the information that you're trying to find because it's impossible to have everything that we do in a prominent place because there's so many things going on. Uh, but I'd say for most brands, you can get away with not having a subnavigation. You, know, you can put these people into, you use the term buckets, you know, buckets of uh, buckets of people that visit your website or buckets of things that you do. And then the people that will find the, the thing that relates to them the most, Uh, subnavigations can get really messy and not user-friendly and I I built this, so I'm going to be partial, but I think, I think it's pretty user-friendly. We get a lot more page interactions than we used to without this. So I'll call it a win. We, we rarely get complaints about, I couldn't find this information that I was looking for. And we actually don't get a ton of, uh, we get the, the search bar gets used a lot, but it doesn't, it doesn't get used, uh, specifically for any one page or set of pages. It's just kind of sporadic period
0: my thoughts on like the the menu overall like those those top nav things that like people are seeing when they first visit your website um i would be as protective of whatever those are as you are your brand um it is not something that you just all of a sudden decide like oh yeah let's throw this up here because i think that it's important today um because and and this is where like The kind of business you are the industry that you're in makes this answer a little bit different for each business. But the people that are going to your website, especially if you have repeat clients, they need to know where to find things on your site. And if they go to your website and each time that menu looks a little bit different, that creates a terrible user experience. They don't know where to find the stuff that they were looking for before. They get frustrated. They get confused. Um, it can create a, a lot of distrust between you and your users. Um, so I would just be I would be extremely conscientious of what is in that top menu. Um now you depending on the design of your website, you have some leeway on if there are things that you need to let people know about right now. So you know, like there are um, notification bars that you can turn on on your website, like if you have like a special announcement for just this weekend. Or if you have um, like a closing coming up, that'd be a great place for a notification bar. You can design your homepage to have a slider at the top that has a little bit of information about an event and then it clicks to that information to learn more. Or you have a new product that you want to highlight. Um, You can highlight it there. Um, In rare occurrences, you can do pop-ups on your homepage if they're designed properly and they work well on mobile and people can opt out of them if they're not interested in seeing them. Um, Or even like that sub navigation above the main menu on the Young's Jersey Dairy site, if you go look at it, those things up there you can play around with every now and then if you want to. Um, but there are people that eventually are going to be going to your website and are expecting to find the information that they need, especially if it's like menus that update or products that they want to search for. And if they go to your website and it's different every two weeks or every five weeks because we decided that now this is the most important thing about about our business, they're not going to continue to go to your website. That's my spiel. No,
1: no we, we, <laughs> I, I've, I've redone the Young's website three times, four times since I've been shouted out john not just random website design guy john um maybe three um and i i want to do another one maybe this offseason but the way the uh is that lola
2: yeah she's freaking out (laughs) she agrees
1: (laughs) yeah maybe not um but it's it's possible it it, i I like to give it a visual refresher once in a while but it's not going to be that because dan makes the same point of like you can't you can't completely revolutionize what people are used to seeing and it's 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 almost like there's not there's not that many people it's not an overwhelming amount of people that continue to go to our website where they'd be confused but it's just almost like people are you know the, the gen, general general people are used to finding these things in certain places so mm-hmm. like we'll we'll get knocked uh, as a website design company of like well some of your websites look the same well yeah they look the same because like this is what works Like, having a contact button up at the top, like, that makes sense to people. So, like, yeah, we build sites that are consistently uh, for user experience. That happens to be that some of these websites look pretty similar to each other because of that. We're not using a template. We just go copy-paste, change your colors, change your logo. It's just that we build things for the users, and users are the people that we talk to. So it just makes sense to have it that way.
2: Yeah, and about user experience, I think, you know, if you start... We talked about sub-menu items. When you start adding things to those and you're just like, oh, let's add this and this and this, and your list keeps getting longer and longer, I think that's when you need to really evaluate, like, what's important to the user? What do they want to find? Can any of this be, like, combined into one place? Because a lot of times… You end up having a lot of different pages. And we've t- we talked about this um, kind of throughout these last two podcasts when we're talking about what you actually need on your website, um, you know, like a history and about us, our team. A lot of this stuff ends up falling under that about us section. And, and you have to really think like, is this all the same information? And is it confusing people? Do people know where to go to learn about what they actually want to learn about? Um, and how can we combine this or, you know, just make it a little easier to consume as a user. Um, So yeah, when you start to, you know, when you open up a menu and you see like a massive drop down, not like Young's, because as you said, John, like that's, those are all completely different, relevant pieces of information that people are looking for. But if you have like, you know, our history about us, where we came from, like you have all of these things that are oddly similar, um, then I think it's time to kind of evaluate what your website looks like and what's on it and how you can kind of streamline everything
1: yeah and some of those things aren't important to have in the main navigation Mm -hmm. you know is is our history the 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 thing that people are coming to see like the the story about our logo like is that isn't important in your navigation so like we have those conversations with our clients all the time like they want to put all these real prominent things in their navigation but if if that's not what the people are coming to see like is a link to your Facebook page, you know, to our previous conversation. Is that the most important thing? Do we, want, do I want to see a big Facebook logo when I first look at the top of your website? Is that what we want people to go do? Is go to Facebook? No, we want people to look at our products, look at our services. If your if your history is integral in the the sale of what you're trying to get across, sure, put the history page up there. But about uh, history, these are things that people uh, will click into, uh, but can't live in the footer. Or like if you've got some sort of like login portal for clients. Um, A lot of our clients will want to put that up top because they want people to see it. But our argument often is, if people are coming to your site because they have to click this button to log in, uh, a majority of your traffic isn't those people. So that doesn't need to be in the top navigation. Maybe that lives in the bottom navigation in the footer. And you just Mm -hmm. tell all the people to log in. Yeah, if you need need to go to our website to get to another URL, just it's at the bottom because that's not important to the general viewer. Cause that's, mm-hmm. that's what you're looking to cater to. You're not, your website typically isn't for existing customers. It's for potential new customers and a login is not for new customers yet.
0: Mm-hmm. And if you're not sure where to start with your menu um, or how to organize your website, um, I would recommend partnering with a digital marketing company that also specializes in organizing content. Another shameless plug. Um, A good example of this is we are actually in the finishing stages with a client's website right now that we did some audience research before we determined what the menu was going to be because I was hearing from employees that they thought that the menu should be one thing. And then I interviewed their general audience and the audience said something almost completely opposite. (laughs) Um, And so because of that, we were able to find a happy medium that still will allow employees to help their audience navigate the site, but it's first and foremost built for the audience that's going to be going to the website and trying to find the information that they're looking for. Um, So I think that's just another example of like, Maybe don't assume what you think is the most important things to be at the top of your menu. Maybe do a little bit of audience research or at least ask the rest of your team um, before you make that decision. And then just be really protective of what's in that menu because people have really short attention spans. And if you give them too many options, they will get overwhelmed and they will leave. Um, But yeah, I mean, even if you look at like going back to the sub-nav things on the Young site, like... It's almost like sub-sub-nav because, like, the first things you he see are the things, John, that you have bowled there. So, like, that's only, like, three. I mean, events is a lot because you've got it scheduled by, like, the season. But other than that, like, it's very, very limited. And again, I think that that's a good example of like an industry, a business that like requires a little bit more thought and requires something maybe a little bit different than what we would recommend to the majority. Um, And that's why it's so important to have somebody um, that you're partnering with with on your website that's not just going to be a yes person um, that's going to really help you figure out what's going to be best for your your audience and what's going to set up your business and your website for the long haul so that you don't have to rebuild your website two years from now or three years from now. Instead, you can just like what John was saying, evolve it, um, make slight changes every now and then when needed, refresh it. But you don't feel like you're starting from, from scratch every single time that you need to make an update for your site my spiel i feel like i'm talking agreed all right any other thoughts on what you should have on your website and what you shouldn't have on your website i'm gonna put vaseline on my lips because they're really dry sorry i don't know why i felt the need to announce that
1: (laughs) it's it's weird for sure but appreciate you taking care of your i think it's just
0: because like i'm using my like finger and it's just it's strange anyway i'm gonna stop talking okay
1: But you can't stop talking because it's your time to grind the gears.
0: Oh, okay. So my what grinds my gears is not particularly connected to what we've discussed today, but it's a hot topic, particularly for Ellie and I um, (laughs) right now. Is
1: it Taylor Swift's new album?
0: No, but I am still working through that blog post. I kind of want to wait to post it. Until we figure out what's going on with all like the tickets and everything, you know, because then it'll be like hot news again. Um, I don't know. Or maybe by her birthday, but that's like two weeks from now. So
1: you really think this post is going to catch fire, don't you?
0: Yeah, this is going to go um, viral and it's going to make us big. It probably won't, but, you know, it could. It could be glass. I think we're pretty full. big now.
1: I mean, you guys are really downplaying how successful we may be.
0: Okay. Don't appreciate the sass. Um, we're doing a great it's my, job.
1: It's my company. I can be sassy about it.
0: <laughs> no. Um, okay. So, what grinds my gears this week is it, I know we've talked about email a lot, but um, this is specifically like incoherent emails. Yes. Or emails (laughs) that are referring to a different conversation in a different email thread. I truly think like what grinds my gears is when so many people go on and on about the importance of communication, but then they rattle off emails by using like talk to text or they respond to an old email thread or a completely unrelated email thread about a completely different topic and then they don't understand why everybody is so confused about what's going on when they are the ones that have set up everybody for failure because they are communicating like we just have to jump into their like stream of consciousness yeah, um, and try to keep it all straight and it really grinds my gears because I can barely keep my own stream of consciousness straight these days. And it's really exhausting having to keep like 30 other people's stream of consciousness straight as well. I agree.
1: I 100% agree. Before you go on, (laughs) remember we don't, we don't speak of clients directly in (laughs) grinds my gears segments.
0: This goes for my personal and my professional life because I I get texts as well that I'm like, What?
1: (laughs) But I could see Ellie was winding up when you even started the first <laughs> sentence. Oh like, no, I know, we're and I can't even know, we know. even know who she's thinking about, but we can't we can't we can't bring those things up here. This is a Ellen, safe space for our clients.
2: Listen, Ellen and I both know what we're talking about right now, okay?
1: <laughs> I know what you're talking about. I'm aware.
2: Uh, no, my probably one of my biggest pet peeves, and I will say that I think it's maybe because we spend all of our day looking at emails and dealing with multiple people with multiple different issues or projects or whatever it might be. So it is harder for us. Um, but it's one of those situations where like, look, this, this is me trying to make it also negative. Um, we like, if we look, if we flip it and roles are reversed, it's like, okay, maybe they're just like trying to get things out to you. But my biggest pet peeve as somebody who is looking at emails all day long is exactly what you just said, Ellen. And it's when somebody will reply to an email basically like that's already done and dealt with and they reply to that with something completely new because now it's like like that's already been filed away I'm done with that that has a completely different subject line than anything we're even talking about um and and in my mind it's hard for me to keep things straight when something pops back up in my inbox and like in the subject line it says like October and it's like well it's December so I guarantee that that's no longer what we're talking about you know what I mean so like mm-hmm. in my so like it's hard for me to uh, I guess stay on top of or like interact with that because it just it irks me right there when it's like no this one has been done this is done this is filed we're over this um but then that's still just the one thread that we're having every single
0: conversation in um so yeah yes. no I feel you on that and I will say like my one, My one thing, too, about, like – this is my other thought that I forgot to include. But, like, there are are a lot of people that, like, writing is not their thing or they have a certain situation that makes writing difficult, and I do want to be really sensitive and understanding to that. I do get that. My whole thing is, like, the ones that I know that, like – I have had a co- I have a co- I have had a conversation with you like a completely coherent conversation and like it it doesn't take long to like look over an email again and like see if maybe like your sentence that doesn't have one piece of punctuation in it or your entire email <laughs> that doesn't have one piece of punctuation in it could maybe have like a period or a comma or like those six words aren't words they're just random letters put together like yeah. I guess that's my differentiation that I want to make there because there are people that, like, have very specific needs that, like, make emailing difficult, and I totally get that. We're not talking about that situation. We're talking about, like, frankly, you're just being lazy (laughs) kind of thing. (laughs) So, it's like, and then, yeah, like, responding to the email, like, like we had this email thread going on over here of this topic, and then you email over here to, like, this other topic talking about this topic, and it's like, yeah,
2: nothing – Nothing hurts my brain more than that. But it's funny. I'm kind of a hypocrite because it's like when you're texting, I it eats me alive when people text me. And, like, it doesn't make sense or, like, there are typos everywhere because it's like, did you not just, like, just read that through before you hit send. And it's like, but then when I go back and read some of my conversations, I'm like, ooh, I'm glad. Like, I'll even – I'm the worst. Like I'm the biggest hypocrite after everything you just said because I will like in personal like text conversations. Like this could have been something that happened yesterday and I go back to read it and then now I'm going to text you again today and be like, oh, I meant to say this like two days ago. I'm glad that you picked up on that uh, or, you know, read through all of my 10 typos and like literally the response I get every time is like, yeah, I know I'm just used to it. And I'm like, am I that bad about making typos and not going back and fixing them? So yeah, I'm the worst. Um, I'm a hypocrite. I'll complain, but I do it myself. In text, though, I feel like I'm decent. In
0: email, John, you're very quiet.
1: There's a lot of drama in this Germany Costa Rica game. I want to be honest.
0: Oh, okay. I don't, I don't, there's a lot I'm of drama in this podcast right now. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm
1: with. The, yeah. I'm with both drama. I'm with both dramas. Uh-huh. I'm just. I'm just saying. There's been two goals since you started this segment. I'm just. Just saying.
0: Wow. Really. Dang. Yeah.
1: But uh, I agree. Um, we have a we have a couple clients. Uh, one that I work with more closely than others that will often start emails with like the subject line is just one word, and then the the thread of the email is just a stream of consciousness from that person's head that mm-hmm. wasn't part of a larger conversation. Um, and then uh, we have another client that you guys don't really deal with all that often uh, that will consistently have uh, a sentence for the subject, and then some content or. Uh, no subject. And so there's no way to thread, like thread those emails. I think it's, I think it's mostly like, I think because we are the the company that we are and we like have like actual relationships with our clients as opposed to just like we're utility for them. I think, uh, they think that we're constantly thinking about them and only them, Mm -hmm. uh, often. And like, like we're, they, They don't realize that we not like we hide it, but they don't realize that we have 110 clients and like some of those clients like have four or five points of contact. So like it'd be impossible for us to continually to all of us collectively remember exactly where we left the conversation three months ago when we were talking about this one thing that's somewhat inconsequential. So Mm -hmm. I think it's I think it's partly that. It's just because we're so um Relationship based with our clients, they just are always thinking that we're thinking or thinking of them, and we are. Mm-hmm. But we're not just thinking about the conversations that we started in April uh, about something that may or may not ever come to fruition in December.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, I also think that like texting, a lot of people almost treat their email like text, like a text these days. And like they're still very separate in in my mind. Like it's like I don't use email threads as just like a continual conversation. Same. Um, and there there are some that do like like a text thread. Um. So I think it's just like I had another like more profound thought with this, but it's gone. <laughs> Oh, I was going to say, like, for every like for every frustrating email communication that I have, I will also say there are quite a few of our clients that are absolute rock stars with their communication and with keeping things organized and with what they ask for. Like, I'm specific- I'm going to give shout outs, specifically thinking of Jen at Rocking Horse Community Health Ooh. Center and mm-hmm. Jenna yeah. at um, United Senior Services. Oh yeah, Jenna is great. Yes, they are both always like very <laughs> organized with what they're asking for, with when they need things done. Um, like their like their subject lines always make sense. Like, and it just it makes my day so much so much better when I get an email from one of those two in my inbox. Something
2: really random and really quick about that, um, because I I noticed it with a couple of people actually, just like in the past couple of weeks. Um, something that I really appreciate, which is small and it's definitely not like a necessity or anything, but it's just something that I really appreciate when clients will specifically call out like, or say like, Hey, this isn't like top priority. Like you don't need to rush to get this done. Like Mm -hmm. they're being conscious of our time and just saying like, you know, if there are things more pressing, like this is not one of those. Um, Mm -hmm. because again, you know, I think one of my things, especially when I'm dealing with the support line is I want to make everything like urgent in my mind. Like everything is like, once I get those emails, I'm like, I have to do this right now. Um, And it's kind of nice, like it puts my mind a little bit at ease when they're like, "Hey, this isn't something that needs done." Like, like they're very open about their timeline on needing things. So, like, if -hmm. this is something that, hey, we need this done by end of day tomorrow, or hey, this doesn't need to be done until like next week sometime. Like, that's just a nice little
0: thing that I appreciate every now and then. If you ever just feel like throwing that in, that's nice. Like I need to send this to Jen and Jenna now, so they know yeah. how much we appreciate like, them specifically. Listen you're have to, to listen this to a lot
1: of nonsense, but listen yeah. to. It It's an hour and five yeah. minutes in. You guys are going to get a call out.
0: <laughs> yeah, feel free to skip ahead, I suppose, but. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think that like using a subject line that like actually kind of gives us a, a short summary of like what you're going to describe, and then, what then like you if you are, have yeah. questions or like specific requests, like just utilizing bullet points, maybe throwing in some bold, use a little italics if you're feeling like real fancy, like organizing your thoughts can be more helpful than just the person at, that's receiving the email. I think it can be really helpful for you as well. Like if you are one of those stream of conscious people, stream stream of consciousness, consciousness. people, I think I can be that person a lot of the time and, like going back to what John told me, like when I first started and I do a lot more now is I will draft an email in advance of when I need to send it out with all of my thoughts. And then I'll go back the next day and I'll like edit it and format it. Um, Because a lot of the times, like if I'm like a lot of the times, clients will send me emails with like four or five questions. And sometimes they're all related to completely different things. And so when I'm sending them answers back, even if they sent me an email that was a little discombobulated, I want to make sure that my answers are not also discombobulated. So I'm going to take the time to organize my email back and make sure that my answers are actually helpful. So maybe if you're a stream of consciousness person, you need to start doing that. Just like write the email, leave it in draft, take a look at it tomorrow Or just start a notes tab where you can keep all of your thoughts. You know, like it's okay if you need to get get it out of your brain. That's okay. (laughs) Start a blog. Like
1: there, there are lots of
0: ways to get those thoughts out that don't always necessarily mean that you need to send an email that only makes sense to you. That just brought up like two more issues for me, but we'll end up going into hour three on this if I keep going. So we'll we'll talk about that later. But well, any other thoughts on? What to include in your website or email communications. <laughs> Plenty of thoughts on email communication, but we'll
2: save that for another time. But um, no, I think I think that this was really good because I think that like, especially in the beginning stages of a website when people are really thinking, even if they haven't even contacted us yet and they're just thinking like, oh, I need a website or I need to rebuild it. And they're thinking through like, but what do I need? What do I need to prepare? Um, I don't think people really sit and think... What they actually need on their website, or what's going to be effective, or what's going to be user friendly. So, hopefully, this helps some people out.
1: Agreed. Agreed. I hope we help people. That's that's our goal in life.
2: Tis tis indeed.
0: Awesome. Until next week.
1: And Ellen didn't throw up.
0: I didn't. I t- actually feel I don't want to jinx it, but I feel.
1: Well, you right. already jinxed it earlier today. Don't do, don't jinx yourself again.
0: Yeah, I need to get in the car and take things to Goodwill this afternoon, so we'll see how that goes. Best of luck to you. Thank you. Making a difference in people's lives. Good job, Will. Thanks. I have very strict instructions from Tim that I'm not allowed to unload anything myself. Actually, it's after three. I can't drop it off today.
2: Why? Did they not
0: take things after three?
1: Mm Mm-mm.
0: I just realized that, and I did not plan my day well. Well, then we'll be taking it tomorrow.
1: Oh, Ope, here's a little donation for you tomorrow. <laughs> All
0: right, till next week. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to Oh, Here's a Little Marketing for You, a podcast written and produced by Shout It Out Design. Our theme song is Kill the Sun by the Cincinnati based band Motherfolk. Tune in weekly for new episodes.